Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hello, and um, I want to say good afternoon because um, it's an afternoon, obviously, where I am. Um, I'm recording this actually ahead of time, ahead of Sunday, and I knew I'd do this beforehand, and I'm quite happy I am doing so, because what I don't want to do is find myself behind the eight ball in regards to actually recording the podcast, and actually what I regard as a really important project to me. I just understand that I'm going through a very, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me, a very difficult time by way of having a lot of things or juggling a lot of things at this moment in time. Um, But I wanted to make sure you know what I mean? I got myself in a position where I was comfortable where this was. So I said I was behind with the articles, three articles. Um, I've currently published two, actually, as of right now. And the third one will be published um, later today. And I'm going to get into those in just a moment. But as I was concluding the second one, I saw some news or saw some information. And it made me sit up and made me think to myself, no, I actually want to talk about this right now. I actually feel I'm in a place where I actually just want to get on the mic and I just want to have a conversation. I just want to speak. I feel there are a number of different things, obviously, I want to talk about, obviously, within this podcast episode today. But I want to make sure I definitely speak upon this specifically because there are a number of different different things taking place within the game which bring us to where we are today, actually. So I'm going to very quickly talk about the game that took place last night in which Ghana played Liberia 1-3-1. Um, I've seen the highlights, I've seen a number of different things in regards to the game and obviously what happened and stuff like that. And I'm very happy that we won. Um, I haven't, mm, it's quite funny actually, I don't think I've quite seen what the lineup was. So I've not really had an opportunity to really critique what took place. No, sorry, I've not had an opportunity to critique the lineup and think about whether there were new additions to the squad and things like that. But um, I'm in a place where I'm, yeah, I'm in a place where I'm okay with the Ghanaian national side at this moment in time. For as long as we qualify for the AFCONs at the beginning of the year. And um, yeah, I guess for as long as we qualify for the AFCONs at the beginning of the year, I think I'm in an okay place in regards to where the national team is. I would like to see, obviously, the side be refreshed in some respect. But by and large, as long as we qualify for the tournament, I think from there we could begin to judge um, Chris Hewton. Um, and the rest of them, if that makes any sense. He was on Talk Sport, I'm going to say maybe a good month ago, and I'm not too sure whether I spoke upon it, but he spoke about, I guess, how we got into the job and stuff like that, and how, to begin with, he was the technical director, and um, I guess as time went on, he made the decision to become the, the head coach, which is, I guess, a good news in some respect, because um, he's highly, he's very experienced. He's very experienced, and I think with someone with his, with his, with his knowledge, um, or his wealth of knowledge, sorry, and his experience, I think that's very um, advantageous to us as Ghanaians. And it's mad because I don't know if he's going to reap the benefits of his of his labour right now by way of winning a national trophy. But as I go on to talk about it in some of the articles, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment, I feel um, we're not going to understand the the renaissance which is taking place in the here and now until another five or ten years' time, if that makes any sense, in regards to the players that we're beginning to produce, in regards to some of the coaches that we're beginning to produce. And I think a lot of that is because of actually our, our exposure, because I think we have a lot of exposure to either the Premier League and some of the teams, sort of even the teams and the leagues around the world, and we see a lot of wealth. But because we are we lack some of the resources, I think sometimes we, we do this thing where we do a lot of comparing and comparing. Yeah, a lot of comparing and... Well, comparisons, and I think it's very easy to be. Isn't that the depth? Oh, there's a there's a phrase actually where it talks about. I think 
Devil's Comparison or something along those lines anyway. I think you may know what I'm talking about. Or hopefully you can find the quote. But the game last night, um, I saw the highlights and um, it was cool. You know what I mean? I was, I was relatively happy with the display. Well, more so I'm happy that we got the result. But what I want to, what I want to do very, very quickly is I want to just put on um, some... So this is Sahara. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to get this wrong whatsoever because I'm a big fan of all these these shows. Sahara Football Extra, and they've got sixty about sixty five thousand followers. So this is just a quick snapshot of some of the fans who came out the stadium and just spoke on the on the game. So I'm not going to play for very long. So hey, I'm not going to play for very long. No, you're retiring from coach of Premier League. So more than the football, what's yes here? We saw how you coach our Brighton and Hove Abion. Playing with a three back system. Apart from that, we saw that at least we coach are from the training grounds on the boys now she has said you don't pass the ball from your left back to your right back. Now center back back to your goalkeeper. You need to have players at the back who are ball carriers. Modern day coaches are using ball carriers players at least to progress the ball. You know, I'm going to leave it there. Um, A, because I'm not too sure how much of I can play. But at the same time, I think he was very um, clear and concise in what he was saying. It's mad because I don't even understand tree. But that was very clear and concise. And, he was, and what I really find interesting about the modern day fan is that they're quite knowledgeable about the game. And that's not even to be um, condescending. But it speaks to what I was saying moments ago as to the exposure that we have or the, the awareness that we have in that we're watching a lot of Premier League football, La Liga, Serie A, and so on and so forth. And it's very interesting to see this gentleman. Very, he, looked very, he looks very young, to be fair. His... his um, his knowledge of the game in regards to Chris Hutton, his history, him being at Brighton, and just generally how football is played today in 2023. And I think what I want to just talk about very, very quickly is, again, the comparison being the thief of joy. That's what it was. Now, at this moment in time, I do think we're seeing a bit of a renaissance, or I think we're beginning to see, actually, things are beginning to speed up a little bit in regards to the... The, um, the quality of coaches um, that were beginning to attract to the GFA or the players that were beginning to produce. And that's due to a multitude of things, all right? And I want to get to my article in just a moment, to be fair. But with all that being said, we as people, I'm talking about Ghanaians, I think we're beginning to run, you know, we're beginning to run before we can walk. And the reason why I say that, I say, I think we're beginning, we want, to, this gentleman here, he wants to see progressive football and he's not wrong in demanding that or wanting that. So I think the players are good enough, but I was also looking at the pitch. The pitch is not good enough as well. The pitch was in a really, really bad state. And it made me think to myself, actually, where do you begin to actually um, um, put your resources in regards to the, the playing pitch and stuff like that, or into the staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, into grassroots football? It's very difficult. And I'll get to that in just a moment because I talk about that in my article. Or I may allow you to read that. But I'll get that to that in just a moment. Oh, my God, I've actually lost my train of thought. But I think we're beginning to run before we can walk. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we need to understand, this is going to sound really bad, we need to understand where we are. And I think maybe that's being a bit realistic. Maybe that is being a bit realistic. I'm not saying this gentleman is wrong, by the way. I'm just saying maybe I think we need to take stock of where we are. I think sometimes we can be really... I'm going to say Ghanaians, I was going to say Africans, but I'm going to say people. I think we don't quite appreciate um, what we currently have. And I know Ghanaians, generally speaking, we've not really had... 
a lot of good things to speak about, a lot of good things to be happy about in regards to football over the past, I'm going to say past five to ten years. We're in 2023, ten years. Yeah, yeah, say how it is, mate. Past five to ten years, we've not had too many things to be really, really happy about. But that's the game. That's the game in general. So I'm going to leave that there just a moment. I'm going to leave that there, in fact. All right? I kind of wanted to talk about one or two other bits and pieces in regards to the game, but I lost my train of thought. And I kind of want to get to why I was very excited to actually begin this... Okay, the articles. I'm going to get into the articles. I'm going to get into the last thing. I want to talk about... Bloody, I forgot. I'm Celestete, all right? But I actually wrote two articles um, today, which I mentioned, and I'm going to talk about them very, very briefly, and then I'm going to get into Celestete. Okay, so the budget is the budget. Now, I spoke about this in a previous podcast, and maybe I might read this, I'm not too sure, but I think I found it really, really interesting that um, the GFA had a budget of $8.1 million going into the World Cup, but then spent just over $5 million um, by the end of the tournament, or certainly by the end of the uh, the group stage. Um, and that, again, that might be a case of, yes, we had... In fact, no, it says our budget at the group stage was $8.1 and the total expenditure was 5.1, or just over 5.1. Okay, cool. I'm not too sure why that is, and I don't have any more information in regards to that. But what I do in this in this article, The Budget is the Budget, which I published, is I talk about, essentially... Like, in fact, here it is. With that, I want to find football charities in the UK and draw comparison. Again, there's 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 that word again, comparison. And the reason why I wanted to draw comparison was because there are charities in this country which may possibly have bigger budgets than the GFA. And I think we need to maybe take those things into consideration. So I'm going to read out one or two of the charities in which I I spoke about. So the Football Foundation... I'll talk, about the, I'll talk about the Football Foundation very briefly. I think I'll read it out. The charity's current and ongoing activities are to put in place a new generation of modern facilities in parks, local leagues and schools, to provide capital, stroke revenue support, to increase participation in grassroots football and to strengthen the links between football and the community and to harness its potential and a force for good for, in society. Sorry, And the income for the charity as of June 2022, so this is for that year, not too sure, so the season of the year, was £79 million, £140,218. That's what that was. Okay. And we're talking about $8 million for the World Cup. I'm not too sure what the budget would have been after, and I'll talk about that in the article. But I'm going to read one more charity. In fact, no. Yeah, I'm going to read one more charity. This charity... Actually, I didn't do no work for them, but I worked within them in terms of participating in a tournament. And I did so for a good season or so. It's amazing, obviously, where they were then to where they are now. So um, so big congratulations to Street League. So, Street League. Street League use sport and physical activity to tackle youth unemployment. We do this by working with young people who live in the most disadvantaged areas of the UK and engage them in structured football fitness or dance fitness and education programs with a view to getting into sorry with a view to getting participants into work mainstream education or training the income for the charity as of june 2022 was just over seven million pounds and at the end of that just below that i go the estimated budget was 8.1 million dollars for the biggest tournament in the world for ghana in what likely had the largest budgets ever and i'm talking about for every single um, nation i'm sure 
um, um, the, the, sorry, the Football Association had a bigger budget than they've ever had. Germany had a bigger budget than they've ever had, etc., etc., etc. I think Qatar probably spent more than any other tournament I've ever spent on a tournament. And I think you get my point. Now, I think with all that being said, and I'm and I, I want you to kind of like remember some of the things I spoke about in, um, with reference to the game, as to some of us are beginning to run before we can walk. Now, with all that being, we're talking about charities, charities. I'm not even too sure these charities have, and I'm sure some of these charities have bigger budgets than some of the um, the the county football associations in this country. I'm sure they do. Certainly, close to eighty million dollars, eighty million pounds is def definitely a bigger budget than I think. Do you know what? Why talk about it when we can actually just Google this budget for? We're going to go Middlesex FA. Middlesex FA, 20, 22-23. That's why Google's amazing. Use technology. It's not going to tell me, is it? Okay, I'm gonna have to have, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, to have a good dig around for. Oh, I'll pause. I'm gonna have a good look for this as to the budget for the Middlesex FA. And maybe you could do as well. Okay, but back to the article. All right. Um, back to the article. I've lost myself. What have I done? I've got so many tabs open that nah, I've lost myself. Okay, cool. So I talk about a number of different things in here. So size and revenue. Just spoke about the potential revenue of the of some of the charities, but the the English FA like goes without saying. If, if we're talking about yeah, let's have it right. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the English FA have had a budget of a billion a billion pounds or somewhere close to that. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, whereas we're talking about the the the, the GFA had a budget of eight million dollars. Um, development programs. The English FA has extensive development programs aimed at nurturing talent, coaching education, and grassroots 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 football initiatives. Funding grassroots initiatives helps increase participation in football at grassroots level. This not only helps identify talent early, but also fosters a love for the sport, which you can have long-term benefits for, obviously, within your nation. Oh, God, there's something I need to change here. These programs are well-funded and reach various age groups and communities across England. G the GFA has development programs, but their scope and budget are more limited in comparison. I think we need to understand, I think, where we are in comparison to where we want to go. And as I mentioned before... I think we're going to look back and we're going to be a bit more appreciative as to this period that we've got going on because I think we've got more accessibility and it's mad because in that video I think the guy talks about and he's not wrong by the way he talks about how there seems to be a massive drive to get those um, playing on the continent to play for Ghana almost like as if it's by force and if it's by force then leave them alone. Do you know what I mean? I think you want people playing for your national team who want to play for the national team. But it doesn't mean you should actually cut off those doors as to actually reaching out and those individuals playing for Ghana. And I think a good example would be, would be Eddie Nketiah playing for the England, England national team. And I don't even know if he got on last night, by the way. But that, I think that's an interesting take in itself. But leave Eddie Nketiah. Leave, it, leave Eddie Nketiah. And good luck to him. I genuinely mean that, by the way, because I like him. I support Arsenal. Now... With that being said, I think we need to use all our resources and understand where we are. I talk about this in previous articles. What would Brazil do? What would Nigeria do? What would um, you know um, Ireland do? I've got I've got these articles there where I talk about actually let's be creative and let's actually use our resources to the best of our ability. 
we're not going to have the, the budget of the Football Association. That is not going to happen. That's definitely not going to happen in my lifetime unless we come across some oil deep, deep down inside and all of a sudden we're Saudis, which I'll get to in just a moment because I do want to talk about the Saudis. But I'm going to leave this article here and I would advise people to have a nice little look at this because I talk about one or two other bits and pieces. So I spoke about... What did I speak about? I spoke about something very... Size and revenue, development programs, coaching and facilities, travel and preparation, infrastructure, the national teams, sponsorship and commercial deals. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. And I want to talk about this the second article I wrote, which was the best football coaches in Ghana, a glorious journey from a past and present. Now, I'm going to talk on this, hopefully a little bit, but I don't want to go too in-depth because I want to talk about an individual from this article, which I've mentioned before, or I've mentioned. Now, this was a good reading for me, or certainly a good article for me, and the reason being is because there's... Although I'm, although this is um, this is an ongoing project for me in some reference, I'm forever learning more about our culture and forever learn, learning more about the game. Yeah, the game. I'm forever learning more, and I think it's really interesting. So I've always been aware of Charles Gamphy and, and obviously the things he did in the 60s and stuff like that. But there's other coaches as well. Very aware of James Apia and what he did in the the um, taking us to the World Cup in 2014, etc., etc. I think these were these were these are almost like glory days for me because I went to Brazil to the World Cup. So these are memories that will live in me forever. Now I'm going to talk on Celas Tete in just a moment. Now, he's an individual who I definitely want to talk about because I think his success is ideally, not ideally, is is possibly some of the best in our history in terms of winning the Under-20 World Cup in 2009 against Brazil. Now, this is something that will live long in the memory for not only some of the, our players who um, we hold dearly, but for our nation. This is a huge achievement. Huge, huge achievement. And I want to talk about um, Tete in just a moment. But from there, I'll talk about our present the coaches that we currently have. And actually, one or two of them, actually, um, so, um, um, Charles, yeah, yeah, Charles Akinor, who was, who I was, um, sorry, there's me just stumbling. He was our national team manager not too long ago. And he probably served under a very difficult time, to be fair. And, I wish him the best of luck in regards to where he currently is. I'm not too sure. And there's some other coaches, Abdul um, Karim Zito, um, Zito, who I was unaware of myself, but I think he... Let's read his, actually. Abdul Karim Zito is a highly regarded coach, especially for his work with Ghana's youth teams. He achieved significant success as the head coach of the Ghana Under-20 team when they won the 2021 Under-20 AFCONs, I remember this, and earning them a ticket to the Under-20 World Cup. Zito's focus on nurturing young talents and instilling discipline has made him a respected figure in Ghanaian football. Good luck to him, and I'm very happy for him. And I talk about one or two other coaches as well, so it's very, very good interest in reading. But I want to get back to... Well, no, not to get back to... I want to get back to um, um, Salastete. Now, in my findings... I was looking for an image, to be fair, all right? And in my findings, I went on to find out, sorry, that... Um, he was struggling, or he had issues with his health, and I'm assuming he had um, financial issues as well. Now, this article I'm about to read has come from footballghana.com. So I'm going to read it very briefly, and then I'm going to talk about one or two other bits and pieces. Now, Ghanaian tactician Celestete has disclosed that football people are helping him financially to survive and also take care of his health. According to him, he praying for he's praying for more assistance to get back on his feet, because he's not only because he is not working now due to poor health. I believe that anyone who want who wants to come and visit me, at least because I am not working now, they gave me something. Football people gave me something they... What is going on here? This article's all over the gaff. Anyway, 
I'm going to leave the article there. There's a lot of um, um, issues with the article, all right, in regards to the uh, the punctuation and just the, the grammar, let's say. All right, now, I saw this article, and um, it saddened me in regards to his financial situation, but also his health. Um, he spoke about um, not actually receiving his payout from the GFA after winning the... Um, the Under-20 World Cup in 2009, and I don't know if that's true or not true, etc., etc. I'm not going to get too much into that. But this morning, I was thinking to myself, it was almost it was almost a case of what are we doing this for? Now, there's been a lot of talk in regards to Saudi Arabia and why are players going over there to essentially play? You know, you're not going. I mean, there's been talk of like, for example, I think it's Pedro Neto and maybe a few other players, um, Ruben Neves. Why have they gone over there? They're almost in the prime of their career. I thought he wanted to move to Barcelona, etc., etc., etc. Now, football is a very, very short career. There are plenty of examples of individuals who have played football and then come out of it and then fallen on hard times. And I think Ghanaians in particular, I think certainly football footballers, I think are in a, in a different position in comparison to maybe, let's say, the English counterparts who would ply, that, ply their trade over here in the Premier League and receive a lot of money for it. Now, when you, when you, when you decide what you want to do for a living, of course you do so for the passion, but also you want it to remunerate you. And I sit here today... After writing this article and thinking, do you know what? This is a this is a lovely legacy a lot of these individuals are leaving. But ultimately, what are we doing this for? You want it to leave you a legacy, but if you're if you're I don't want to say yeah, I'm gonna say your job, but if your if your passion is not going to reward you or you're not gonna be rewarded by your passion, and it's crazy I'm saying that because I actually read something earlier today, I'm gonna to read it now actually. If it's not gonna reward you, then I think we need to almost revise what we're doing or maybe yeah we need to revise what we're doing our systems our infrastructure and a few other things but i was listening to a quote literally moments before i started this and i'm gonna read it money is not something you earn it's a re sorry it's not a reward there's no if i work hard the universe will pay me it's a commodity and you must find better ways to acquire this commodity with that being said a lot of people are going to Saudi Arabia, and there's a reason why they're going to Saudi Arabia because they've been paid for what for their skill sets. They've been paid handsomely for their skill sets. They've been paid a commodity. The commodity is money. Money are for mech. Don't usually break code, but we need to understand that the reason why these people are going to Saudi Arabia is to make money. And we shouldn't be finding situations such as Salas Tete falling on hard times. I'm very aware he came from a different generation in which he might not have been paid well for his job. But this shouldn't be happening. It really shouldn't be happening. At all. And it's funny now, because I actually don't even know where I'm going with this, after, with this, with this podcast. But I was really upset about this, that it made me think as to, what are we doing this for? What are we doing this for? Do you know what I mean? And it, and it just goes to show, in some respect, the reason why sometimes you find people... In these under twenty squads, you know, which actually, again, it goes back to yeah, which is why you probably don't find any foreign, not foreign, but but any of the diaspora in the in the in the, in the youth sides, being that like actually no, you want to put those who are homegrown in them so they get the exposure, so they actually can be rewarded for their for their efforts, because obviously the 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 opportunities are completely different, completely different. It was a bit of a rant, to be fair, in some respects. Hopefully, I've provided a lot of insight in regards to, A, the article and some of the things I was talking about previously. Um, there was another article... No, there was another article I was going to be writing, and I want to... Do I want to note that down? 
It was in regards to the opportunities and actually the opp- the opportunities that are different in our continent. And I think I don't I think we don't understand the 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 potential that we do have. And I really do believe in our lifetime, for those who are listening as well, we're gonna see something special. We really are. And it's so on that note I'm gonna leave you. Um so thank you for your time. Take care and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.